Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sport. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor Cameron Priester and staff writer Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going this these past few weeks? Going all right, you know. Um, we have the storm rolling through. Hopefully everyone's staying safe, getting prepared adequately. Um, you know, unfortunately, we missed last week due to some scheduling issues, but it feels good to be back. Good to talk some FAU sports. A lot of good to talk about. Also, some bad we need to cover as well. But looking forward to just getting into all of it. Yeah, no, um, I'm doing good, too. Um, like you said, I hope everyone's staying safe from the storm. But a um, little disappointing loss for FAU football over the weekend, but ready to talk about it. Yeah, uh, as you guys mentioned, um, had a little hiatus last week because of scheduling. And this week, even though we have a hurricane going on, we wish everybody uh, best best of luck and to be stay safe out there. And for this episode, we'll start off with FU football. These past few weeks have been um, disappointing, to say the least. Uh, they had their biggest game, arguably their biggest game of the season against UCF on September 17. And they did have a good start. Uh, they scored 14 points in the first quarter. They were up 14-7 at the end of it. And then they embarrassed themselves for the rest of the game, losing 40-14 in the end. And while they did play better on the road against Purdue, who was missing their star quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, FAU did fight and compete all the way to the end, but couldn't pull out the win as they lost 28-26. to so, guys, um, what have we seen from FE these past two games, and how much have they improved in between? So, from what I saw out of the UCF game, um, I just didn't see a very – as Willie Taggart referred to it, he didn't see four quarters worth of competition. You know, we had the early lead, but then when you give up 33 unanswered points to close out a game, that's not how – you want to close out, especially against a school we consider a rival. Um, you know, we always have a big showing. We've got a good crowd out there. Um, there was some inclement weather prior to the game, but that's no excuse based off the showing we had. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if we won or lost the turnover battle. Um, I'm pretty sure we won, but still just not, just couldn't get anything going. Um, we had one drive where we literally started with the ball on their like two yard line. And we couldn't get a score out of it. So it just kind of showed that, like, it wasn't clicking. Um, and once things started falling apart, we had a very hard time getting it back together. One of the things I did see out of the Purdue game, though, which I really enjoyed seeing, was we did compete for all four quarters. I know Purdue was missing their starting quarterback, but that is a Power 5 team. They um, get a lot more recruits that are, I'd say, sound and just kind of add depth to the roster. And we gave them a run for their money. And I was really pleased with the showing from that. Obviously, a late turnover in that game ended up sealing the deal. But it shows some growth from the UCF game. So it's good to see that our guys didn't give up and that um, Tiger kind of has the guys in a persistent mentality of trying to fight back and play to the whistle now. Um, still want to see some cleanup on the turnovers. But um, I'm definitely seeing some things I like, just obviously not getting the results we're looking for. Yeah. Um... What I saw from the UCF game was kind of just what everybody else saw. They just disappeared. It looked so great in the first quarter. Um, they kind of were sticking with the game plan of running the ball, 
Um, McCam and Ann Mobley looked great in the first quarter. And then kind of after they just, the offense at least just disappeared. Um, and I want to say in the first quarter, they had 170 yards of total offense. And in the final three, it was, I'm not sure exactly, but it, I want to say it was about 30 yards less. So that that can't happen. Um, from the Purdue um, game, it was, it was um, kind of more, um, I'm blanking right now, I'm sorry. Uh, from what I saw from the Purdue game, um, it's a little more, you have a little more to be excited about, but I don't really care for the moral victory narrative that I kind of see on uh, social media going around because Purdue's not a great Power 5 team. They had an injury report that reads probably a mile long, and <laughs> they are incredibly undisciplined. Right, right now, they are ninth in the country in penalties per game uh, mm-hmm. with nine, averaging nine penalties per game. And they've lost multiple games this season, including that Syracuse loss off of penalties pretty much entirely. Um, I just don't like that because we're not going to get recruits that come to FAU because we played a Power 5 team close. We're not going to have people in the seats because we played a Power 5 team close. We are going to have those things when we – consistently win those games which we had an opportunity this week and last week but um that it's you you don't get opportunities like that very often so when we do have those we have to take advantage and it seems like they just can't so they need they need to clean things up or kind of the program won't take those steps that we want to see yeah um uh, I couldn't watch the UCF game because I was in Orlando, ironically, because that's where UCF is located. Um, but yeah, I was keeping track of the game through stats, and it was I was happy that they were up. They were actually winning at one point of the game. But to see them not score any points at all for the rest of the game was very disappointing. And knowing that they squandered opportunities when they were at the red zone, at the close to UCF's end zone, they and they couldn't pull off at, at the very least a field goal or a touchdown. Uh, yeah, it was, like, very concerning. And then Nikosi Perry, after lighting up the stat sheet for the past few – for the first few games, he underperformed against UCF, only throwing 13 of 29 for 108 yards, which is – which obviously leaves more to be desired when it comes to Perry because we know how good of a quarterback he can be at his best. And he did – play better against Purdue, um, throwing 18. Mm. Slightly mm. better, slightly better. He, he I, I just want to – touchdowns, but he did throw an interception and turn the ball over in the final drive. So while he did play slightly better, it just still more, more needs to be done. More needs to be done. And we can talk about that heading into the next game against – North Texas, which will take place in North Texas's home stadium on October 1st at 4 p.m. on ESPN+. So what are our expectations for FEU heading into this matchup? Um, you know, it's – I don't really know what to think going into it. You know, North Texas isn't really considered a powerhouse. Um, <laughs> I, have seen, I have seen them play quality games, though. And I think that's where you kind of run into this issue where, 
you know, a team can not be as talented as you, but if they're playing consistent football um, week by week, then they're going to prove to be a tough matchup um, when it comes down to it. I just feel like we've shown spurts of, I wouldn't say greatness, but just um, great football offensively. Um, defensively, we're kind of putting it together. Um, haven't seen um, the best of games as of late, but um, these things happen. Offensively, I kind of want to see just Nikosi get back into the groove of things. Yeah. Uh, last game, last game we he used his legs a lot more. Thirteen carries, ninety-three yards. Um, he, that he was a yeah, a um, little bit out of character, but you know that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, if you're making production in any way, that's always a good sign. But I definitely want to see our offense just not turn the ball over, keep the penalties at a minimum. And as for the defensive side of things, you know, definitely don't extend drives with more unnecessary penalties. Um, don't get men- don't get broken down mentally. It's okay if you make physical mistakes, those things happen. Just don't lose the mental side of things. Um, I know we talked or I know I said a little earlier, I was glad that we competed for fourth quarters or for four quarters. I don't really care if we compete for four quarters or not. We need to win this football game. That This is a must win for us. Um, definitely with the roster that we have it by this time of the year, you should start to put things together completely. Um, you should be making some greater strides this deep into the season. So I'm looking to see vastly greater performance of this time around. Um, I'm kind of have the same idea. I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, I, I expect the offense to come out um, probably a little more conservative, trying to run the ball um, a little bit more to get uh, McCammon and Mobley kind of back into their, their groove that they had going in the early in the season. Also, like you mentioned earlier, Nicosi didn't play horrible, but I don't think he played great against Purdue. I think the stat line's a little misleading. He had three touchdowns and um, 60% completion rating, but he missed a lot of freebies, a lot of like short third down passes that if you're going to be taken seriously as um, like QB1 at this level, and if he wants to compete for a roster spot at the next level in the NFL, you have to make those throws. And he missed a bunch of them against Purdue. So I imagine they'll probably try to keep things simple on offense to get the running backs back in the groove and kind of get his confidence back after two shaky weeks. Um, but like you said, they can't This is they can't be broken down mentally. This is a must-win game. North Texas isn't a powerhouse. It's We're finally done with non-conference play, and you should be in midseason form right now. So I just hope to see kind of a bounce-back game from FAU. Mm. Yeah, I definitely see this as a bounce back game for FU. Not only is this because non-conference play is done, this is also the the continuation of conference play. So beating North Texas will allow FAU to stay undefeated in, in conference USA play. So this is definitely an important game. And for Nikosi Parody bounce back, he has to keep finding LeJounte Wester. Like, shout out to him. He is leading the nation in receiving touchdowns. That is a, a feat, uh, an accomplishment to be to be proud of for Wester. He's after coming off a great freshman year, he's he's doing excellent this season. So it should be important for Perry to continue throwing the ball to Wester. And if the def- if the opposing defense decides to focus in on Wester, preventing him from getting a lot of catches, 
uh, find the other receivers like Jamal Edrin or Jaquan Burton on occasion because they can make very good catches once the offense starts to open up for them. So FAU should really take advantage of what they have, especially with Wester and then not to mention running the ball with Larry McCammon, who's also like in, as, as far as I'm certain, still in the top 10 in rushing yards. So, so yeah, they should really make the most of their opportunity. They have, the offense has the weapons. Um, and I think it's, it kind of almost, I don't want to pick on them too much, but it kind of falls on Perry because you have probably the best stable of running backs in the conference um, between Mobley, McCammon, and Johnny Ford. And like you said, um, with all with the defenses keying on McCammon, or excuse me, um, Wester so much, that should create opportunities for uh, Burton and Edron, who both have looked, um, you know, great all year. Uh, Edron had a really big catch late in the game against Purdue. So I think as as long as Perry can, you know, keep his confidence and make those kind of short freebie throws that the defense gives him. The, um, the weapons should be able to kind of do a good chunk of the work for him. So as long as he just stays confident and can make those throws, offense should be fine going into the rest of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, best of luck to them against North Texas, and we'll see how, the, how, they're, how they play against them. And moving on from FU football, we have FU soccer, and we're starting off with the men's. They started conference play in the American Athletic Conference getting a very respectable draw against USF 1-1 at home. And then they had a very disappointing loss, a 1-0 defeat to North Florida, who was winless at the time. They had like six losses and two draws, which is basically uh, one of the worst records. So it was very disappointing for everyone to lose to a team like that. But they did bounce back, uh, resuming conference play with a 1-0 victory against the University of Alabama at Birmingham, a.k.a. UAB. So they currently have four points in conference play. So how are you thinking on the men's team at this point of the season? Um, you know, as of the last three games, we're getting a lot more low scoring games. Um, I would assume it's because our penalty numbers aren't as high as they were earlier in the season. Um, one of the things that I kind of saw out of the USF game, which was a nice pleasant choices we weren't doing very well on set pieces but we actually got a goal off a set piece um i believe yeah. that was graham pratt's first goal of the year um so congrats to him he got the equalizer um and we were able to win that game obviously not a great showing against north florida but um we showed great bounce back against uab and you know i'm okay with dropping out of conference games so long as we pull out wins in conference and that was much needed especially against uab team and especially with the schedule that we have coming up, you know, we have another rivalry game against UCF this time mm -hmm. um, in soccer and they're ranked. So um, we have had one prior matchup this year against a ranked opponent. We dropped that one um, two nil to Lipscomb. They were also 23rd ranked at the time. So hopefully we'll get a better showing, but this time it, we are away. So we will be playing in Orlando, but as for the games we have played, um, you know, I'm seeing better goalie play, not getting beat so much on um, the set pieces, uh, which is good. Um, just about putting it together more offensively, capitalizing on our own set pieces, you know, trying to get better build-up play. That's what I want to see. More shots on goal is the ultimate um, target area I want to see increased. Just not enough shots on goal. 
um, in games prior. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd want to go with my usual, you know, it's a work in progress. But then again, this is the time of year where you should already have some things put together. You should already kind of have your chemistry down with some of the guys. Um, but, you know, I think this will be, this UCF game will be really telling of where we are overall. Yeah, I remember um, whenever we were, had our last episode, I talked about this four-game stretch that started with um, with USF. And whenever I talked about that, I kind of spoke as if the North Florida game was a, was a given win, and they dropped that. So this, this team kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit because mm-hmm. they drop that game and then come back and take down UAB, who isn't great they're at two and six right now yeah but I didn't assume I was more confident going into that North Florida game obviously than UAB um and they and they they beat UAB and um I don't like the um uh two yellow cards at the end of that game but it's they they won so I I I don't want to nitpick too much like Zach said I could see more shots on goal um a little bit more um but like you like you said the UCF game is going to be really telling it's at home they're kind of um maybe OB might be a little bit overmatched um but we'll see it's this game's going to be telling like he said um hopefully we'll we'll see them in a little bit more kind of mid-season form um but I'm excited it'll be telling if they can I'll be a lot more confident if if they can look good against UCF this week. Yeah, these past few games, they have looked considerably better in the second half, considering they scored all their goals in the second half these past three games, especially in conference play against USF and UAB. So if they are a second-half team, then they should really take advantage of the adjustments they make heading into halftime and then coming out onto the pitch to start the second half and try to outsmart their opponents with the adjustments they make on that end. So they do take on UCF, who is currently ranked 23rd in the country on September 30, on Friday at 7 p.m. in Orlando. And yeah, it's going to be a pretty big matchup for the guys, and we hope they do their best against the UCF Knights. And we move on to women's soccer. And they've been up and down for the most part, but uh, they did have some pretty good momentum as they picked up a 2-1 upset victory over the University of Kansas. So it was a very big win heading into conference play, and they used that to their advantage by beating North Texas on the road 1-0 and then getting a pretty good draw against the solid UTSA squad 1-1. But then fell uh, 1-0 to UAB on September 25th. So their record is pretty solid right now. Five wins, four losses, and three draws. Uh, A win, a loss, and a tie in conference play at the moment. Uh, What are our thoughts on the women's women's team at the moment? Um, I was actually very pleasantly surprised with how we came out um, on the week we missed. Uh, First of all, the Kansas game, Austin, huge shout out to her, ended up getting um, the game-winning goal with 11 seconds left, or was it 11 seconds left? I believe so. Yeah, 11 seconds left in the match. 
scored a shot from like 25 yards out. If you want to see a video of that, check out FAU Women's Soccer uh, Twitter page. They have a video of that goal. That was unbelievable to give us the win and a great confidence boost heading into a Conference USA game against North Texas. And then you go into North Texas, who's an incredibly hard matchup. You know, they have this huge unbeaten streak. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's a stat. The Mean Green had not lost a conference game at home since October 31st, 2008, which is a 65-game streak. And then we go into their house and pull off a win. That's incredible. Um, that just shows that we were on fire um, and that we had kind of things all put together, which I, I thought we'd be able to, you know, turn out better. And then we ended up having, we didn't get the result we wanted um, against UTSA, but we were winning the entire time. And then we kind of got a taste of our own medicine. We gave up the game tying goal, I believe. Um, very late in the game. Yeah, in the 86th minute, which tied it. Couldn't get another goal there, so we ended up... Yeah, so we ended up tying that one. And then in the UAB game, this was just a very uncharacteristic game. Uh, UAB scored in the 13th minute, and then we only had three shots all game, and that came in the second half. So really uncharacteristic. We were not used to being like shut out like that, which was really surprising. I don't really know what happened there um but you know we'll just mark that off it's just an off day for the women's team um definitely look to get back, get things back to where we were especially against kansas and north texas those were huge games um and especially with the schedule coming up i believe we have one two three four five so yeah we're closing out with all conference games so seven conference games in a row definitely need some strong showing there but i definitely like what i saw and i'm very pleased uh with how they performed yeah, similar thoughts. I was very pleased as well with the, especially that huge Kansas win and then the North Texas win, um, which was kind of a little bit of a barn burner. The key curses had the first goal, I think, in the fourth minute, and then I don't think there was a score again for the rest of the game. Um, but hopefully they, they can kind of keep that, that – uh, mojo they had going in those first two games um, against uh, Rice uh, here this week. Uh, like you, like he said, that that was very uncharacteristic to have zero shots go up in the second half. That's you know something that you you hope they kind of fix going into um, the rest of uh, the conference games. I'm confident, like he said, Bree Austin continues to look fantastic. Curses look continues to look fantastic. Um, hopefully, they can continue that into Rice uh, and Charlotte um, here in the next week or so. Yeah, like the men's side, the women's side has four points in conference play, which means that they're basically in the middle of the pack in the conference at the moment. But should they carry the momentum they got from the win against Kansas and North Texas, they should really be good for the rest of conference play. And they should, they'll take on a Rice University on Thursday, September 29 at 8 p.m. in Houston. And uh, host Charlotte on Sunday, October 2nd at 1 p.m. So be sure to cheer on your Lady Owls on Sunday at home. So um, hopefully they do good in those conference games and we'll see how they go. With that, that will be it for our section on FEU sports. We now head on to national sports and we have the NFL. 
and we're going to look at week three. And we had some pretty highlights from some of the teams, and especially for the Dolphins, who remain undefeated with a 3-0 record, including a 21-19 upset over Buffalo and at the, at the end of the game where Buffalo failed to take the lead, we saw one of their assistant coaches just basically rage quit on live television, throwing everything he had on his, on his counter, like in, just in, enraged, which is very comedic, to say the least. Yeah. I understand um, his pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as Karen said, I completely understand. You know, I feel like Buffalo just really didn't capitalize a ton offensively. One of the things I think is important to point out, um, Buffalo had a ton of um, players out season now where Boyer didn't play. Um, just com- complete um, collapse depth chart-wise wasn't really able to get anything going um but you know even so those aren't excuses um you can only hope that you're fully healthy throughout the year um but you're expected to get things done especially a team that's projected to make it to the super bowl you know even with injuries you're supposed to figure these things out and that's not to discredit uh the dolphins you know i had them winning going into the game actually um and my personal plot i shouted them out i thought they were going to get it done and they did just not the way that i expected it to it was a very sloppy game overall. You know, you had a lot of people attributing it, attributing the loss of the Bills due to weather. Like, oh, you know, they're not used to playing in that um, sauna of an environment. But you, you, play in my, you play in Miami once a year. You, you should be used to it. Um, no one complains about how cold it is up in Buffalo. You just play through the snow. It's kind of how it is. Um, but I get it. One of the things I want to point out from the Dolphin side of things I was very questionable about that Tua injury. Um, They said it wasn't a head injury. They said it was a back issue and that he had cleared concussion protocols. But for anyone that's played football, you don't shake your head due to a back injury, um, whether it be a pinched nerve or anything. Um, And he even pretty much collapsed on the field. Look, I get you want to win games. I know you want to have your best players out there. But player safety comes first. CTE is a prominent issue in the league that still hasn't been – addressed properly um i know we have new rules um and new helmets to try to protect against these things but even so when you are just throwing players back into the fire without being properly cleared um you're just putting them at greater risk for their future i know you want to win these games now but i promise you it's way more worth it if you can see these guys play deeper into their careers so i was uh, hopefully with the investigation the whole truth comes out there um, if he was healthy, then I'm all for it. If not, um, we definitely have to do a better job in taking care of our players. Right, I agree. That was um, whenever he collapsed. That was kind of a scary moment. I hope um, you know they're taking like the, the right steps with that. Um, but something I I just found it interesting how like the final stat line of how Buffalo outgained. Uh, the Dolphins by almost like 250 yards and I think had 16 more first downs um, than Miami did and they still only won by two so more than anything what I got out of that game is how I'm still not I'm not I'm not down and out on the Bills and honestly I'm if anything this game kind of put me at the Bills a little higher on my list to um because I'm sold on not I take that back I'm not sold on the Dolphins but I think the Dolphins look like 
one of the better teams in the league. And if you can go, if you can hang with them, kind of that being obliterated by injuries like the the Bills were, um, I I wouldn't feel too down and out about it. I do, I didn't like the way they kind of managed the clock at the end of that, and that's just why I kind of understand. Um, the OC's kind of feelings up there in the box. Yeah, I'll burst. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, I think the the Dolphins. I don't know who's gonna be able to um, who's gonna be able to kind of keep up with the Dolphins. You know, uh, they look great. They look great, and I think the Bills look, look will be fine too. So that was a really great game. Yeah, my main yeah. Two, my main takeaways from that game is the Dolphins are three and zero, and the outbursts from the Bills coach. <laughs> Yeah. So as I look, as we look at the other games, uh, Chicago bagged the twenty three to twenty victory over Houston. Don't care. They look terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. They look terrible. Awful. Out of no faith. I, I I'm. <laughs> they look so terrible. I would have rather taken the loss and kept the draft stock going. Like they they just look terrible. They're not beating anybody who's worth anything. They're not. <laughs> I have, a, I have a quick question. So, uh, I'd rather, rather be happy at the moment than to be miserable for the rest. It's okay. It's okay. You got the win. Yeah. That's all that counts. And Baltimore torched, uh, well, well, torched a New England 37 to 26, and Mac Jones suffered a high ankle sprain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for a couple of weeks. So, it's very unfortunate, but that means uh, Bailey Zapp might get an opportunity. So, Unfortunately, Brian Hoyer, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, as a Patriots uh, fan, based off the news, Brian Hoyer will be the starter, and I just really don't understand that. Um, you know, you know what you're getting out of Brian Hoyer, but I feel like this is kind of the time to see what you're really getting out of Bailey Zapp. I mean, you you spent a fourth round pick on him, which it wasn't exceptionally high, so you might as well see what he can do. Um, because if anything, you can use him as some pretty good draft capital um later down the road that's what they've done in the past you know they did it with Brissett. they did it with jimmy g you know gave him chances to just show out for a game or two and then move on i mean this is a guy that literally almost broke six thousand yards and broke all the records against fau when he was at western kentucky he broke the record for most passing touchdowns in a season i mean had one of the best statistical seasons i've ever seen from a quarterback so i hope we give him a chance i just know i just know um from our perspective, we're just not getting anything out of Bailey's app. And on the other side of things, what I want to point out is Lamar Jackson has scored two touchdowns in every single game he's played since they've gone over his contract and still hasn't got paid yet. The yeah. Broncos have paid Russell Wilson a quarter of a billion dollars to score uh, two touchdowns through um, 10 quarters. So I don't, I don't know what we're missing okay. here. I don't know. I don't know what we're missing from Lamar's side of things. Um, pay that man his money um, because if not, I would love to see him in a Buccaneer uniform. Um, he's right now on the odds makers. He's the highest to go to the Bucks after Brady um, should retire. Um, even as a huge Brady supporter, I think it's about time to wrap it up. I mean, Bucks offense just kind of looking lackluster yeah, yeah, up to this that, point. Is that contract year mentality? And oh yeah. And as we look at the other games, Philadelphia torched. Before before we move on, yeah. I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you think Lamar, if uh, he continues playing like this for the rest of the season, what do you think Lamar asked for? Because I'm thinking right now, he's going to ask to be the owner of the team. 
He's like, asking for the Brinks truck, no doubt. That's what I'm saying. If two, if Russell Wilson got 250, he said Russell Wilson set the market with that 250 million dollars, and he looks bad. I, who, who's gonna have enough money to pay Lamar? Not only what he asked for, but what he deserves. Actually, I, I can't think of a number. Um, but that I that's what I, I that's what I got out of that game. And like you like you said with Bailey Zapp, I'd really rather see the Patriots give him the chance because I don't think a lot of people take it like really grasp what he did um, last year at Western Kentucky. That was a, a like statistical anomaly offense. I want to say they had two seventeen hundred yard receivers. That's like unthinkable to me. What what they did with that offense was insane, and all this they got we got a firsthand look at it when they absolutely destroyed FAU. But um, that my takeaway from that game was just how um, much the Ravens messed up by not paying him before the season. Yeah, for sure. And as we look at the remainder of the week three games, um, Philadelphia killed Washington twenty four to eight. Jacksonville is looking better as the season goes on, beating the Chargers 38 to 10. Green Bay and San Francisco squeeze. Oh, wait, no. Uh, Green Bay squeaked past Tampa Bay 14 to 12. Uh, Denver only won by one point against the 49ers. And it's all thanks to Jimmy Garoppolo stepping out of bounds. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy G. Uh, in those moments, that is that's always great. That's always great. Seeing Jimmy just G a out of bounds for no reason. The play calling there also like abysmal. Like, why are you in a shotgun set on your own one yard line? Like, you're already giving him no room to work. And then, naturally, as a quarterback, you're used to taking your drops. So, like, to just have him, first of all, he's facing pressure immediately. They saw that, and then they tried to run like some deep play to go for like 20, 30 yards. Like, what what are you doing as an offensive coordinator? Um, that's just super questionable. There. Um, two things I wanted to kind of ask you guys: Are you guys higher? on the eagle stock right now or the dolphin oh, stock right dolphins. now uh, dolphins dolphins at the moment but jalen hurts is looking dangerous he is easily the engine of that eagles offense and the Eagles yeah. looking pretty good because of him yeah and then the other thing i wanted to ask um more specifically this goes into uh, justin jefferson's performance back-to-back -back weeks where he's gotten locked down by darius slay jr and or just Darius Slay and um, Jeff Okuda. Now, I don't know where you guys consider Okuda and Slay as top corners, but if you're considered one of the best wide receivers in the league, especially as a number one um, for the Vikings, I don't think you can have any excuse to get shut down back-to-back -back weeks. I know people say, oh, he's getting dub double covered, whatever. Like, when Randy Moss was the number one, you could triple cover that man. When Calvin Johnson was the number one, you could triple cover that man. Jerry Wright like there's a lot of names that people want to compare this guy to but yet if you were to put him up against those names he's not doing what other guys I mean since week one where I thought personally it was just a the Packers failing on matchups because if they put Jair Alexander over him the entire game that doesn't happen um he doesn't go off for almost 200 yards but now we're starting to see teams actually give him the respect that he deserves and now he's not performing at all I mean, Thielen and Osborne are getting more production, but I just wanted your thoughts on so-so, uh, so-called number one receiver getting shut out back-to-back -back weeks. Okay, I'll take that. I think um, more of that goes to kind of um, us as, like, fans and the media's fault 
more than his because I I like Jeff, Justin Jefferson, but I thought it was outrageous. Some of the people that are having him as like wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Um, not only just because I don't, I just don't think he's that guy. Also, it, I don't think he's, I don't think he's that guy. And I don't, he's definitely not going to be that guy with Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball. I don't think. <laughs> so I, I think that that's kind of our fault. I, I think there's like probably two or three guys. I think I would a hundred percent take over him. So I think we should just kind of like ease off him a little bit, but I think he'll be fine as the season goes. He's showed us time and time again that he's really talented, but um, I don't just, at least yet. I don't think he's kind of that guy yet. I mean, yeah, I agree. We've already seen the Eagles play uh, Kirk Cousins, and dude got killed de- on by defenders. So I yeah. I don't think we need to be worried about that at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, I do agree that we do have to be careful in how we uh, rate talented players like uh justin jefferson as you guys were saying is it's important that we be careful with how we and it goes it goes the other way with it goes the other way with being down and out on players because okuda had a really really rough um rookie season and i had him rated a lot lower than cj henderson whenever that draft was going on so i was kind of like yep i was right but he seems to be really having a kind of a comeback season and they're mentioning his name for comeback player of the year, which is kind of early, but he, he's not, a, he's not a terrible corner. So I, I think that's, an, that's another reason I think we shouldn't be as down and out on Jefferson as some of us are. Okay. Uh, with that, that'll be it for this episode of you press play sports. Make sure to hit like, and subscribe, click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.